Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Nicolene El Haddad, the franchise queen. Now, Nicolene started Espresso Cafe when she opened her first store in October 2016 and closed her first million within six months. And now she has over 30 cafes across South Africa, all through a franchise model. In addition, she's the proud owner of several six and seven figure businesses in various different sectors. And I'm delighted that she's agreed to come and join me here on the conference room to talk all about it. Nicolene, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. Thank you, Simon. I'm super stoked to be here. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so great. Thank you so much for coming on. So every hero has an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you get from graduating through to owning several six and seven figure businesses? Well, it's quite a story, so I'll try to keep it as short as possible. But my hubby and I opened our very first business together from our garage 14 years ago. And the reason we did that actually was because he was a foreigner and we moved back to South Africa and finding a job was going to be quite hard for him. He couldn't speak English really well so the two of us thought we will start our own business the initial plan was for me to help him out for six months that was the original plan 14 years later we are still working together we make a very good team but what we decided to do with this business is to grow it into an empire so even though we started with literally very little money the whole setup of the garage was unprofessional but we did everything with what we had at that time but we knew we were building something big and we made it very focused on being target driven sale after sale, one client at a time kind of mindset. And every year we grew the business and we grew from going out of the garage, going into our first retail store. And from there, we went into the next year into our first warehousing building. And so we've grown literally over the past 14 years. However, along the way, about six years into growing this business, we realized that we were making use of people's services that we were not very happy with. And because we were getting bad service from people or just unreliable products or services, we decided to start new businesses out of that kind of need to be served better. So that is how our imports and exports business was born. And a couple of years later, we started our own accounting firm as well, because we knew that if we're not happy with the quality of service we're getting, there will be other people out there as well. And that's exactly what happened. So today we have a lot of different small businesses that we either partner with other people or that we've structured by ourselves as well. And we service other customers. And at the same time, it's taking care of our own businesses as well. But my biggest joy is really when about five years ago, actually more about seven, I say to my hubby, I'm a bit bored with all the businesses that we have. I like change. I like thinking of new things all the time. And I think it's time for us to do something new. And we came across the concept of going into the coffee industry. Now, Simon, just let you know, we are great at business, but we know nothing about food or beverage. So every idea that came to mind was a bit scary. And we knew that we were not going to share this with other people until we actually opened the first store. And the reason for that is because we knew people were not going to support us. We knew that people don't have that big, audacious way of thinking about business because we already noticed that even though you've got friends, you've got family, you've got other people around you, not everybody has the same capacity 
to think bigger and bolder like that. They don't always support you on your journey. And because we knew we didn't have the experience with food and beverage, we just wanted to skip all the BS that comes with the comments from people. So we thought, okay, we'll keep this one secret. And that's exactly what we did. So literally overnight, we told our entire family and friends that tomorrow we are opening a coffee shop. And we were greeted with a lot of shocks and supportive love, but that is what we did. So we structured a new coffee shop kind of concept but Simon, it took me two years, two years to research it, two years to spend lots of time in other coffee shops, figuring out why I want to do this, how I want to do it differently so that my brand can stand out from everybody else. But there was something else that we also did differently. I knew from the beginning, I wanted to go big because I've already had other businesses and I already was happy with the financial growth that we've made. I knew that if I'm going to work really hard, I'm not going to do this by playing small. If I'm going to open up one store, I want to have five. And if I'm going to have five, I'm going to have 30. And that is what we did in the beginning. So in the first two months, we opened three stores with a specific purpose in three different locations because I wanted to test my concept. I already worked out that if the business was not going to work, exactly how much I would lose. So we're very big numbers people. We don't go into something blinded. We knew that if I'm going to spend $100,000, if the worst case it doesn't work, we will only lose, you know, 20, which was okay for us. And at least we tried something and it wasn't just an idea that we kept in our minds. So we opened the three stores. We did really well. In the first six months, we hit seven figures and we knew that the model that we've got is beautiful. And then I realized that there are so many people out there that would love to have what we have they just have no idea how to do it. And because running a business came so easily to us, even though coffee was not my forte, but because running a business and starting things and just doing that was very easy for me, we thought of how we can expand and share our business with other people so that we don't have to run all the stores ourselves. And that's where we kind of modeled a franchising concept, but very unique to us, which is very different from how the world runs franchising. What's different about the way you run franchising to the way other people do? Yeah, I don't do it corporate. Like, so for example, we've looked into pretending to want to buy franchises from other brands. And even from the hello, the first time you meet people to the emailing way in which they handle you, which is not very professional or very kind sometimes, but we do everything as a person to person relationship. The way we look for people, I don't look for investors. I look for humans. I look for people that have always dreamt of owning a coffee shop because they work 10 times harder than someone that has millions. We've said no to people that have wanted to buy 10 stores because I know they're not going to work in the stores. Our concept is more for people that really, this is a life-changing event. We also don't charge the charges that other people do. We also don't do the monthly percentage that they take for marketing and a percentage that they take for franchising fee. We have a small fixed amount and that's what you pay us monthly because for us, the success of the brand is our main priority. Um, Out of the 30 stores that we have currently, I still own seven. And the reason for that is because I always want to keep my one foot on the floor. I want to know what it's like. I want to still struggle with my partners. I want to get that advice with them. And we are trying to sell more of that off because I want to spend more time with my franchisees, but I will always own some of them because I think that is what keeps the personal connection and the true human to human connection. A lot of big corporates don't do that. They're all literally sitting in an office or the person that owns the brand is not even connected. They don't even know what's on their menu. I get that. That happens when you get really big at some point, but I want it to be different. And that's how I teach my clients to franchise their brand is so that when people look at your brand, they go, oh, I want to be a part of this. Like I can feel the love and the energy. And so all of our franchisees that have joined us has been my biggest fans. They used to come to the coffee shop and buy coffee every single day. And they fell in love with the brand before they even got to meet us, which means when we met them for the first time, I could see that they love my brand almost more than I do. And that's exactly 
exactly the people that you want to business with in the future. That's great. So let's take a step back for people that don't know, what are the advantages of being in a franchise? As in, for example, me, rather than opening my own coffee shop, being a franchisee of yours, what are the advantages of that rather than trying to go alone? Yeah. So one of the things is, is, is you have support. You have someone that's already made this model successful, so it already works. And nothing is guaranteed in life. But for me, I would rather model someone else's and, and join what they do because they've already done the hard work. And when you buy into a franchise, yes, you have to do your homework. You need to make sure that you're buying into the right brand, but you've got a guide. And that's what we do. We teach our franchisees how to be better at business. We train the staff consistently. We don't just sell and leave you which again, a lot of franchises do. So doing your homework is really important. But when you're franchising your own business, you're providing that for other entrepreneurs who want to own their own business, but they have no idea how to get started. They're scared. They don't know how to invest. They might be advertising to the wrong people. They might be attracting the wrong people. And they might also not be taking the right steps in the beginning, which means six months or a year later, their business is not growing like they want to because they don't know what they're doing in a nice way. You know, like we're all trying to survive on our own. But if you want to be cutting the short path, if you want to look at someone, whether they own a salon, whether your dream is to you know own a pet grooming business or even have an accounting firm, but you're not a business person, you're more a people person, then joining a company that's already done what you want just makes the model so much easier. Okay. And then, so let's just flip it on this head for a minute. Okay. I think what's interesting about the whole franchise model is that there's advantages as, as with many things for both sides of the equation. For example, somebody that wants to get into a business and says, like you just said, I want to model what those guys are doing. So I'll become a franchisee of theirs. And equally, as you did with the coffee shop, there are advantages for people who have built a successful business thinking, you know what, maybe it's time for me to franchise it because it's a way for me to perhaps expand the business. Okay. So to look at it from that side, what are the advantages of being a franchisor? That's the right term. Okay. And then I'd like to talk about how one goes about successfully preparing and then executing their business to be a franchise. Okay. First of all, let's talk about the advantages. What are the advantages and potential disadvantages of offering your business as a franchise to others? Yeah. So the advantages is that you get to expand faster. And I'll use a salon just as an example. You can only service so many customers per day or per month in a specific location. However, if if your brand has now got three or four locations, you've just tripled and quadrupled the amount of people that you can service. So your impact is so much greater on the community and um, you create jobs because you're employing more people. You're sharing your business beautifully with another entrepreneur. So that gift of helping someone become a business owner, Simon, really, it is for me, it's priceless. And I can see it in my experience with my own franchisees as well. Your brand, however, becomes extremely strong. So what happens, like in our case, you have negotiable power when it comes to asking for better pricing from banking fees all the way down to what you're paying for current services and products. Like today, we pay for certain products and services cheaper than I did five years ago. And it's because when I go into a meeting now, they know I have 30 stores. They know that I represent my brand and they know that I'm planning to open 25 this year because I share that with anybody that wants to do business with me. And when you grow this strong, and it doesn't matter whether you have five stores or really 50, but when you become bigger, people want to be a part of you. 
So people will offer you their services. I mean, we get on a daily basis, not just food and beverage samples, but people that want to do marketing for us, people that want to be an influencer for our brand, people that want to advertise us. And we don't pay for anything because they want to be associated with us. And it didn't just happen because I'm now 30. It happened when we add the first three stores. So your brand really does get a lot more attention, a lot more exposure and much faster than what you can do when you're doing it on your own by just having one or maybe even two stores. So how much control do you have? Because you refer to yourself as a business owner, but you also refer to the franchisees as also business owners as well. So who has the control and how much control are you surrendering when you offer your business as a franchise? So the way we model our franchises is that we give you a rule book, we give you the operations manual, we train you how to run a successful business, and we kindly suggest that you follow the rules because we know that it works. And right. what we notice is that we monitor our stores, we monitor our owners, we want to help them make a lot of money. So in order for them to have that mentality, they usually stay on board with us. We've never had up to date someone that wanted to go off track, someone wanted to try something, but it's also Simon because we have a big open door policy. We always tell our franchisees, if you have a new supplier you want to bring on board, let us know. If you think we should change a product, let us know. If you think we should do this in a brand aspect or change the milk jug, let us know because we tested on a bigger scale. We've had suggestions on how to change one of the ovens. We tested it for two weeks. We showed them it didn't work. And at least they don't feel ignored. They feel recognized. They feel that their opinion matters because you have to remember these are humans that are now buying into your business and they are now a business owner. Whether or not they do it on their own or a part of you, they've stepped into a different role. And the more encouragement you can give them, the better, because your focus with franchising should not be to have hundreds of franchisees, but to have less and that let them buy more of your stores. So most of my franchisees actually own two to three to four stores because that keeps it in the family, the way that we want to refer to it. And that's just nicer because that makes means they make more profit. It just means that they believe more in the brand and then they promote it without even talking about it naturally. Right. Okay. What are the risks of opening a business to a franchise? I mean, I'm just thinking, what would happen if yeah. somebody said, I'm going to open a coffee shop? And then they just don't work hard and the thing just yeah. collapses. How much of that I, risk is on your shoulders as well as the... I think that they... can always happen. I'll be honest with you, Simon, that we've had one person that wanted to come on board. We were not in the final processes yet. And we could tell that there was just something off. I'm very big on following my gut. I follow the energetics around me a lot. And if something's just off, we usually pay attention to that. And we could tell that they were not willing to follow the rules, which was just in the beginning, which is, was like saying certain things on time, showing up for certain meetings which had to happen on site and as soon as we see something's off we end the deal like we've just made this rule from the beginning that this is our brand and we want to protect the brand above all so that even if something would happen to me my company will survive the same with if something happens to my franchisee i want them to know that i'll take care of their brand for their family as well so it becomes more of a holistic approach as well but i think that some of the biggest risks is when you don't support your franchisees if you don't have that personal connection if you don't invest in them consistently and you leave them to feel like they're failing if you leave them to think they can do this better on their own, then they could end up 
leaving the franchise and then doing their own business. However, sometimes when I see people do that, my first thought is all the money that you've just lost because you pay to become a franchisee of any brand. It doesn't matter how much they charge. You've invested into that. You get all the furniture, you get the whole box set up for you. And if you leave, you lose all of that. And in many cases, you even lose the premises because the premises is sometimes in the contract that it belongs to the brand. So it's all about how you set up your contracts and how much you protect the brand itself. I've heard of people, we don't have that specifically in our brand because again, I don't want my people to feel when they sign a contract, it's like a death sentence. I want them to have the option to rather come to me and say, you know what, I want out. Can we talk about how to do that? Because that's really what's important for me. But I've heard people do in a contract where even if you leave and you're not allowed you know, to trade again in that niche for at least three to five years, which is very harsh sometimes. I understand why people would do it though, but it's also very harsh if that's the only industry that you know and you don't know how to do anything else. But again, there is with any business pros and cons, but I believe it comes with your personal involvement and what it is that's expected from the people from the beginning and your day-to-day support. So what do you think is are the hallmarks of a good franchisor as in a business that is well set up to be able to be franchised to others? Well, first of all, the person, the owner has to be someone that's willing to share their business. They have to be willing to also become the leader of their business. And a lot of people can run their own business. They can be very successful, but they don't know how to guide other people on how to do it. They're not flexible to hearing that there's something wrong or that someone has a better suggestion. And those things can be hard. But if you're going into this with the whole mindset of I'm going to expand, this is my future plan, and you can prepare yourself for those things, I think you've got your mind on a different roadmap and you've structured yourself for success. But the business itself has to be profitable. The amount of profit is really not important. We've noticed that people come in and we only share this with people that have signed contracts. You know, we don't share too much information in the beginning, but even when they find out how much profit they would make, for some people, it is far more than what they could ever imagine. And for some people, it's like, okay, yeah, it's enough. Maybe I'll just need two or three stores. So everybody has a different threshold of what their salary a month would look like or what they would think their ideal business would look like. But your business has to be profitable. And if you can you know, be happy and live off that business and you can imagine two or three other men or women doing the same thing, turning into business owners, and they can have that kind of life like what you have, then that is, for me is a belief that you have a, a franchisable model. But before you franchise, there is usually 110 things that we need to fix in your business first, you know, like small little cracks, things that are not working smoothly. You want to be able to sell people like a business in a box concept. You want them to have a plug and play kind of method, things that are smooth. They need to have a rule book that shows them from how to market the business and how to deal with customer complaints because you wanted to keep it as simple as possible. So yes, there's a lot of work involved in the beginning, but once you do it, you just repeat it and repeat it over and over with the next franchisee. And it actually becomes easier. Simon, believe it or not, for me to run 30 stores is far easier than it was to run three stores in the beginning because it was all over the place and I didn't what to do and I was making loads of mistakes but then when you actually learn how to systemize things and how to make things work for you not just for what the world wants then that is the way you would run a successful business what about liability I mean for example here in the US it can be quite a litigious culture right I'm not sure what it's like in South Africa but if let's say somebody came into one of your franchisees stores and Mm -hmm. fell over and broke the leg or they choked on a croissant or something like that right how much liability is on the brand versus on the franchisor on the franchisee how restricted or shielded are you from the liability of maybe some negligence or something that a franchisee commits 
Yeah, this would depend on country to country. And I know in the States, you also have each state has its own rules and regulations as well. But mm -hmm. for example, here, we have taken out additional insurance to protect the brand at all times, because again, I want to be able to assist my franchisee, even in a situation like that. But we also make sure that all our franchisees have their insurances set up correctly, that there's all the policies are in place that has to be there. Throughout the past couple of years, we've had one or two minor incidents that we've noticed, you know, Simon, it's really sad, but people are more looking for for attention than anything else. You know, even when we offer them, you know, like just comfort, I never offer money, I never offer free items, but I would offer like, let's say if someone fell over to have themselves checked out, but also we'll send flowers and all of that. And they'll be like, oh, this is so nice. So thank you very much. And then a week later, so how much money are you giving me? And I'd be like, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. And mm. if you really want to take me to court, this is the process, but I always show up. I always own whatever has happened. You know, even when we've had products that sometimes there would be something in the product, a piece of plastic or that comes from a supplier so that, again it's not even my brand but again my brand gets all the heat but I own it I take up the space I apologize we make sure that our suppliers are involved as well we have a policy with them in place as well that they actually have to reach out to the clients themselves they have to compensate the client with whatever is needed but there is a law here that there is a line that has to be drawn at some point and where the communication can now end and if you choose to take it further then the customer has to and this is just usually where we've noticed that people then stop because because for them to go the legal route means that they have to actually put effort in. And if this, if it wasn't serious enough, that's usually when it would stop. But yeah. as long as the franchisee and the franchisor understands what happens in the process and both knows what to do and when and not to overreact or react too fast in the situation when something goes wrong, it, the business will always be protected if you're right to have the right documentation in place. Right. Okay, cool. You talked about opening another 25 stores. How do you kind of prepare yourself for that type of expansion? Yeah, so we're very excited. This has been a year that we've been waiting for a long time because we knew when we reached a certain amount of stores, there are things that change in your business. And um, where, for example, we are making use of certain suppliers, we will now not make use of them and we will become the supplier. So we are opening our own hub. We are replacing all of our suppliers by opening a company that will supply our own chain with everything that they need. The reason for that is also for simplicity. It is for consistency with delivery, quality of food, quality of the product, and also when it comes to the franchisee, they'll have one invoice to handle per day instead of 25 that we have at the moment because right. we get different products from different locations. So it's always the, the whole overlook that you want to simplify in your business. And it happens as you grow. Even if I had 10 stores, I would have looked at a way to make it easier. But at this point, it really has become a no-brainer because this hub will allow us to service other coffee and restaurant industry personnel as well. They've approached us since day one to be able to buy some of our stuff as well. This has just been the right time for us. We've also going to open our own roastery and um, which up until this point we've been buying beautiful coffee and we have a beautiful relationship with them and they also know that this day was coming because when you have so many stores and we do thousands of kilograms of coffee every single day it just doesn't make sense like we need to have our own roastery so that is what's happening in the next couple of weeks so that's very exciting and through that again we'll build a whole new income stream for the brand that is separated actually from the coffee shop because I want this brand to have its own pillar. It must be known for itself and not have to always just be on the backbone of my coffee shop. So I, all of these will have their own individual power and they'll have their own clients that they go into. So I'm excited about this. 
one thing, Simon, because I'm going to hire about 35 new employees to run this hub with me. And that truly excites me. From the first day when my husband and I moved out of the garage into our first store, the most exciting memory that I actually have when I look back is the day we hired our first employee. It was the most stressful day, but it was also the most exciting because I could see the impact I have on someone's life that yeah. I now employ them. And for me, that's just life changing. So today, like I have over hundreds of employees and it's really a truly amazing change. So I think that's also what excites some entrepreneurs when they want to expand is they want to give back. They want to expand in their community. And that's what's happening for us. So, yeah, so we're looking at opening 25 stores um, in three major areas in South, South Africa and the country itself. And so far, it's on track. Okay, yeah, that's amazing. That's fantastic. What would you say your three top tips for someone to be successful? I would start off by thinking 10 times bigger than what you're thinking right now. And if you think you're thinking bigger, then go to someone that's literally two to three years ahead of you and have loads of cups of coffee with these people and ask them what do they do that actually inspires you to go after bigger. The reason I suggest that is sometimes when we look at people who have massive things or massive success, it feels out of reach. But if you find someone in your niche, someone that's just been ahead of you two, three years, it's more of a connection. You can actually say, I can do this because they've done that. But don't assume things like really just go and have a cup of coffee. Ask them all the questions you've always wanted to know so that you can learn from them and then do it with multiple people so that you can feel yourself with that type of energy like this is possible for me. The problem that most entrepreneurs is, is that we don't have accountability. We don't have people around us that support us and actually push us in the right direction. And a lot of times entrepreneurship can be very lonely and it doesn't have to be that way. Another thing that I believe is that you have to follow your gut. If something doesn't feel right, don't do it. If something does feel good, run with it and grow as fast as you possibly can. But it's not about spending money. It's about doing that thing that you want to do. If you want to promote a specific product, but you're not sure if the market is ready for it yet, try it. Don't wait until you see someone else doing it just to try it. If you think that you need to hire a salesperson, hire the person. It doesn't have to be full-time. Get them in one day a week if you need to, but just do it because we will overthink ideas for years. That is why I personally know people that should have had millionaire businesses by now, and they just don't because they're too scared to just take that first small initial step. And I think my third tip would be to continuously educate yourself. Know everything about your business and about what's happening outside of your business. I look today at coffee industries outside of our country. I look at what they do. It doesn't mean that I have to copy them, but I get inspired from them. I even look at people that open brand new stores today, like a new market. How do they promote themselves? I educate myself by investing in people that can teach me how to do things faster because I've learned, Simon, my time is so valuable. I would pay people to show me the shortcut. If you can show me how to make more money tomorrow, I'd rather have work with you than trying to struggle it by myself because I've already done that. You know, I've done 14 years of trying this and it didn't work. And then you right. fail. And, and we've had businesses, Simon, that did not work and it's fine. But now if I know, if you know that you want to grow your Instagram, go find someone that actually grew their Instagram and that they have a specific method that did that. If you want someone to teach you how to be great at sales, go find someone that you've seen went from somewhere to somewhere else. It's the same. Like if I think if you want to lose weight, go and find someone that actually lost weight that actually did it the right way and let them assist you. Don't just go for the person that has the great body. Go for the person that had the results and the transformation that you actually want. Right. No, that's fantastic. So other than opening new stores and the roastery, what's next for you and a few businesses? Yeah. So what I've recently just in last week, I've launched my book. So I became an author, which was really wow. excited. And my book's called Multiply to Millions. Thank you so much. It is something that I've always wanted to do. I never thought I would write a book because it's quite a journey. 
But that's something that I've done. And I focus today on just helping small business owners really expand their business. And um, there's so many beautiful people that have beautiful concepts and they just don't see how they can have two or three stores. They don't think they can manage it. And I help them just break through that limiting belief and help them structure it and make it easy so that you can go and make more money. That's amazing. How can people reach you if they wanted to reach out and talk about expanding their business or maybe wanted to be a franchisee of the coffee shop? How can they go about doing it? Yeah, you can reach me on Instagram. So I'm Nicolene Alfred at Coaching. I also have a free guide that people can download in my bio. There's a little link that you can click there. I've got lots of free workshops about how to franchise your business, how to open your next location, or even just to see if your business is franchisable because a lot of people think they're not. And I really want to almost dare people to go take a look because most businesses are franchisable franchisable if that is the dream that you have but i'm available on all platforms as nicolene Alfred. that's amazing well nicolene i wish you and everyone related to espresso cafe all the very best nicolene al haddad thank you so much for coming to the conference room it's been an amazing amazing so eye-opening conversation certainly for me and i'm sure for everybody listening so thank you so much for joining us thank you simon thank you Coming up next week on The Conference Room, I'll be talking to best-selling author, event producer, and business coach, Terry Ann Richards. Success is one of those things that it's different. You know, your version of success is different than mine, and everybody who's listening has a different version of success. But the one thing that I think we can all agree on is we all want happiness and fulfillment and joy, and the way in which we get that come from a couple different angles. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to the conference room. Until next time, keep talking.